0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Autonomia, the show where we bring ideas from the libertarian left to everyday people and foster conversation on what we believe in hopes of proving that we all have far more in common than we are trained to believe. My name is Hayward and I am your host. As always our intro and outro music come from a song called A Bigger Cage is Still a Prison by System Failure. If you'd like to look up this song. The band spells SYSTEM, C-I-S-T-E-M, for political reasons.
1: There's nothing I want more than to sleep under the night sky, Hit the animals as they go about their lives. Feel the fire warm my body, feel the mud under my toes, but tonight this hell keeps me in clothes.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back. Um, I'm going to have a very brief episode of the podcast today and this is going to be outside of our recent uh, scope of episodes about Rocky Recap. Um, This this is about that shooting. Uh, No, not that shooting, the other shooting. Uh, Oh wait, no, the other shooting. Um, So those of us that have been living under rocks may have noticed that in the past, what now, a couple weeks? What is it, three mass shootings that have happened? Um, certainly very stressful. Um, it makes this already deeply unsafe world seem much less, <laughs> much less safe than uh, than it already wasn't. And a lot of people are wondering what to do, especially in the wake of the shooting in Uvalde Texas at that elementary school there's a there's a certain unique horror um, associated with the mass murder of children Uh, especially when uh, school is this place where uh, you you expect your child to be safe Um, additionally school is this place where your child is legally obligated to be your child is being uh, essentially forcefully taken from you in order to go to this school during which time they are in someone else's care and you are entrusting your child to those people and this sort of thing happens and happens i i feel reluctant saying happens more than it should because of course it shouldn't happen at all but it 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 happens with a a frequency that is chilling, to say the least. And it is very challenging trying to determine what way there is to move forward. A lot of people, um, especially in the, uh, the communities I hang out with, which are mostly folks in the moderate right, locally to Connecticut, are talking about how important it is to arm teachers or arm uh guards or have more police in schools specifically they're they're zeroing in on why it's so important to have more police in schools and while on a surface level that might seem intuitive like i mean you if you trust the police to be the protectors of the innocent then it is not unreasonable to say well maybe we should have uh, more police in schools in the event that a mass shooting takes place. Well, the difficult thing about that is is when you start to dig deeper, it's hard to feel so confident that that will be a net force for good, especially if you were talking about a mass shooting situation. Admittedly, it's a little bit difficult to quantify the deterrent effect that an armed officer in school may have. Maybe just having a cop in school creates a situation where someone feels less comfortable engaging in a mass shooting. But that's not something we can quantify. What we can start to dig into with a little bit more certainty is that when mass shootings take place within schools, it seems like police are not really all that reliable and are not that much of a game changer to the situation. Uh, The Coward of Broward comes up, where you have the, um, the officer, SRO, assigned to the school, who is supposed to be there to defend these people. And when the shooting starts, he fled and took cover, during which time other police had to stage and set up and get ready to go in and put an end to the shooting. And so if the resource officer is not going to engage in that situation, what are they there to do? Well, they're there to normalize police presence, uh, act as a, a uh, public face to the authority that the people will be expected to live under for th- their entire life. And they have the arrest uh, arrest power over students at this school, making the school ever more like a prison than it already was. Think about a situation where escalating the presence of police in schools, especially as part of the enforcement role rather than an emergency protective role, creates a situation where the school to prison pipeline is stronger than ever and it turns what were previously common disciplinary issues into criminal issues. Criminal issues that can have consequences for people for the rest of their life in a time where their brains are not even done developing yet. It's really worth considering a a deeper picture here. And when I spoke with Lee on the radio the other day, I brought up how I think it makes sense for schools to be hardened um, in the way that they are, for the most part, quite soft targets now, and that is very scary as a parent of two. Um, But I don't think that police specifically are the answer. Uh, This suspicion on my part was given more grounding by what we saw in Uvalde. You saw police staging outside of the shooting full of children when they had all their tactical gear on, had all of their equipment, had nothing left but to just charge through the door and stop that shooting from happening. Or at the very least, draw fire away from literal children. To make matters worse, there are multiple reports of the police refusing to allow parents to go in to try to rescue their children. So you have these supposed protectors of the innocent standing by and letting the innocent be slaughtered and stopping good people from doing the right thing. A lot of people have been asking, what is the point of policing if not to save people in times like this? What is the point? Well, fans of history will tell you the point of policing primarily is what it's always been, is to enforce social control and maintain government order. We have to remember that the origins of policing are in the south, slave patrols, and in the north, strike breakers. The uniting factor in those two different origins is they were created to maintain control for the people that are on the top of the system, against the rest of us. When police first came along, it was several decades before those call boxes used to summon police before phones were common. It was decades before those were commonly available to people. Previously, they were only available to business owners and were locked. You could only call the police if you were a business owner with a key. Now, because nuance is something that I'm very interested in. It's not as if policing hasn't developed in time some protective role. I mean, if you are a domestic violence victim, you may call the police as a means of ending that confrontation and getting yourself to safety. But what I will remind you is the primary role of policing is still social control and government order. The reason I say that is because if you are in crisis or if there is something wrong... You, but you are not a member of a protected class or you are engaged in some sort of other behavior, then your protection becomes secondary. And that is the sort of reality that makes it difficult for me to be comfortable with having police be a part of the hardening of schools. I think architecture is a very important role to play. I think it is possible, and this is my personal opinion and my opinions are subject to change with new information, at this point my personal opinion is I am open to some sort of emergency specialists being at those schools ready and willing, critically willing, to act in times of emergency only. I do not support expanding the arresting power of a group of government officials in a school to destroy people's lives and not save them when the time comes to save them. So I'm open to some sort of specialist, I don't know what that is, but I'm open to that. With that said, I am a firm, firm believer that an ounce of prevention is worth 10 pounds of cure. We need to look at our society. What is it about our society that breeds mass alienation, mass misery, and mass violence on a ridiculous scale? Liberals will focus in on guns, and perhaps that's part of it, but I would encourage people to look at other societies, both currently and throughout history, that are awash with weapons and don't seem to have, with such frequency, such extreme mass killings, especially of children. So. Perhaps guns are a part of that discussion, but in a context where we live in an imperialist state who uses violence to extort obedience from the majority of the people that they're constantly depriving of the ability to survive, I don't think disarming those people makes a whole lot of sense. I happen to believe that revolution is probably going to be necessary very soon in some form or another, and disarming the working class ahead of that is deeply, deeply dangerous. The American government has shown time and time again that it does not deserve a monopoly of force. Consider whether or not the American government, if it were a person, would pass a background check. I contend that it certainly would not. If the American government were a person and were subjected to a background check, not only would they not pass and not get their gun, they would probably be hauled directly to prison. So, I'm ranting here and this is somewhat the purpose of this recording just to to rant and air out grievances but i think if we start to investigate why our society produces mass misery we might have an idea about why our society produces the kind of people that are willing to inflict that sort of violence on innocent people a friend of mine once said happy people don't go on mass murdering sprees. And I think that's very important to recognize. People that are happy and fulfilled and stable, generally speaking, are not likely to commit atrocities. They're likely to live their lives and pursue their own enjoyment, whatever that may be. So on LC show today, a email came in from someone named Craig, and apparently this is not the Craig that I know because when I listened to the content of the email, or at least Lee's summation of it, I immediately thought it was the Craig I know, but apparently there is another leftist Craig in our area, and he talked about how capitalism is something to focus on in terms of why mass violence might occur. You have to think about a situation where a system that creates deprivation on an enormous scale is going to create desperate people and desperate people do tend to lean towards extremism or they look toward reasons for their situation. Look at the recent shooting in Buffalo, a great replacement theory. Why does great replacement theory have any legs to it? So because people are afraid that immigrants are going to damage their economic potential and ability to provide for their children. And if that were less of a question and less of an existential threat, something tells me that people wandering from place to place wouldn't really be so much of a fear. So you can think in that way, economic dynamics being a motivator for extremism. Another example worth exploring is the rise of Hitler in Germany. Do you think a lot of otherwise normal people in Germany would have been willing to accept the rise of the Nazi movement if it weren't for the fact that the Weimar Germany was in an economic crisis thanks to the overly punitive Treaty of Versailles? Do you think normal people would have said, "Oh, this guy's just a lunatic demagogue," because keep in mind he used economic desperation to find a scapegoat to rally a movement around and enact his violent fantasies upon the world. So when it comes to mass shootings, when it comes to school shootings, I am a very firm proponent of preventative measures. We need to look at why our society breeds these people on a mass scale. And to me, Part of the analysis of that situation has to be our economic system. Our economic system that reliably destroys people and reliably keeps the majority of the population in some form of economic desperation is probably something to consider when wondering why people go insane in our society and mass murder children. Happy people don't do that. People that aren't in a state of extreme stress or hopelessness or anger caused by stress and hopelessness don't commit those sorts of things, normally speaking. And of course there are always outliers, but looking at the majority of the situation, we need to look at our society every bit as much, if not more, as we need to look at making our schools a physically more safe and defensible space in the event that the worst case scenario happens. See, unfortunately, the mainstream analysis of the situation is to—I like to call it—a um, whack-a-mole effect. So we have to put more police in the schools and harden up the schools in hopes that the shootings won't happen in schools. Well, perhaps those shootings will happen in movie theaters or shopping malls. And then we have to harden shopping malls. And then we have to harden movie theaters. And then we get to the point where we're basically living in a giant cage, a a giant prison system. And is that the system that you want? A system with so much control in it that you can't even really move? Or do you want a system that doesn't need that much control because it doesn't create the circumstances where people feel motivated to do that on an increasingly common basis. Anyway, that was just me wanting to explore some ideas, chew on some thoughts while I spoke, sort of a... A bit of a rant. Um, I, I really hope to hear back from people and explore these ideas more because as someone who has two toddlers who will be going to school at some point in their future, I have a certain interest in wanting to make a safe a safer situation for those children both at school and in other places. So I would love to hear some ideas I would love to hear some alternatives people might have to the commonly accepted policing model, because as I touched on briefly here, that has some very deep flaws. And I don't think that is a real sustainable solution to a much, much deeper problem. So I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening this whole time and indulging my rants. Um, You can send a Facebook message to the page, Autonomia, A-F-T-O-N-O-M-I-A. And we also have an email address, A-F-T-O-N-O-M-I-A at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, and um, thanks for listening. Have a great day, and stay safe
1: under the night sky the animals as they go about their lives fill the fire warm my body feel the mud under my toes but tonight this hell keeps me enclosed for if we don't have a freedom if we are captured by their iron hands then the vision for fire burns so much more bright there's no justice in this A bigger cage is still a prison Well I hope that somewhere someone breaks free tonight